up, Christ Walk? How's everybody doing this morning? How many of you know it's okay to laugh in church a little bit? Although I'm not laughing very much because when my wife said, you know, who doesn't like free gifts, she cut her eyes over at me. And so the kind of gifts my wife likes are those that like have the word coach on them. I feel like I've been deceived. I went in that store, it doesn't have anything to do with sports. I was, it was a total, total ripoff. Total ripoff, and it cost me a lot of money. But, um, you know, hey, if you've got your Bible with you or a smart device, why don't you go ahead and, and open with me or uh, swipe with me to um, Psalm chapter 97. If you don't know where Psalms is, just kind of open your Bible right to the middle, and chances are you're going you're gonna to land right in the middle of Psalms. Um, the majority of it was written by David and a couple other authors, and it's one of the poetry books. And we're actually going to land there in just a moment. Going to read, um, read a uh, couple couple verses from there um, today. But before we dive into that, man, I just want to celebrate for a minute. Last week was anybody know? Easter. Easter was last week, and we've got we've got a story to tell because last week, right here at Christ Walk, we had the largest known attendance in our church's history last week. So I think that's something worth celebrating. Um, we had tons of first-time guests, many second-time, third-time guests, many people that have connected with us in just the past um, couple months, and it was an exciting time of celebrating our resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and so for those of you that invited somebody, for those of you that brought somebody, for those of you that clubbed someone over the head and dragged them with you to get them to church, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for doing that and, and getting people in a position to uh, be receptive to the gospel. And then I also want to celebrate our volunteer teams, man, from the parking lot to guest services to here in the auditorium, all the way back in Kids Walk and everything, you guys crushed it. And it's because of you that we were able to reach so many people. We could not do what we do here at Christ Walk without our incredible volunteers. So here's a shameless plug. Look, if you're not on a team, what are you waiting for? Get on a team and get with what God is doing here at Christ Walk. If you need more information about how to get on a team, where you can connect, where you can plug in, just go to the orange tent outside after service and tell them, I want to serve. And I guarantee you'll have a spot before you leave here today so that you can get connected and be a part of what God is doing. Anybody, anybody excited about all the things that God's doing here at Christ Walk? Anybody feeling happy about all the things that God's doing here at Christ Walk? Anybody? You know, whenever I feel happy, it just makes me want to dance a little bit. I don't know about you guys, but anybody want to dance with me? Let's dance a little bit. Roll that beautiful bean footage. Okay, that's, that's enough of that. It's enough of that. My apologies to Quan. I think I accidentally hit him just there. The majority of the room doesn't get that joke. That's just for the young people. Um, if you don't get that joke, find someone under the age of 25 and ask them what it means. Um, today we are kicking off 
a brand new series called God Never Said That. And I want to talk to you today about the pursuit of happiness, because for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at some some myths, some misnomers, some things that people have come to claim as biblical truth that when we search through the scriptures, we come up empty. We don't actually find those things. And so what I want to talk to you about today is this idea that God wants you to be happy, the pursuit of happiness. You know, the pursuit of happiness, we're familiar with that term. It's one of the things that our nation was founded upon. In the Declaration of Independence, we learn in school that um, those that wrote it, our forefathers, the, the founding fathers of this country, that they believe that our creator, God, bestowed upon us unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And over the course of time, over the years, we've come to believe that that is what God wants for us, that he wants us to be happy. But God never said that. And that's where the tension comes in. Because when we tell people, like when I stand up here on this stage and I tell you or we hear, we hear a pastor or some sort of religious figure tell us God does not want you to be happy, it makes us mad. It, it's like rubbing sandpaper on our face a little bit. But wait a minute, like that's not what I've heard. That's not what I've been taught. You know, some of you, you in this room, you might not be believers. You might not be Christ followers. And so part of the reason that we're, we're doing this series over the next four weeks is because I want you to become a Christ follower, but I don't want you to become a Christ follower under false pretenses. I don't want, want you to think that you're getting in on something that just isn't like a, like a bait and switch. Like you get in on it, and then once you get on the inside, you find out, hey, this isn't what they told me it would be. I want you to know what you're stepping into. And there's this, this general idea that God wants us to be happy, but when we look in his word, he never said that. But I mean, isn't it so much more fun and so much better to think that God wants us to be happy, that he just wants us to enjoy our life, that, that around the corner there's nothing but good things to come. It's all sunshine and rainbows. Doesn't I mean, that like pumps us up. Yeah, like that's the kind of life that I want, but I don't want to deceive you because that's not necessarily what God has in store for you. But yet we search the scriptures and we come to Psalm 97 and we get to this part in scripture and in verse 12, my translation reads this way. It says, may all who are godly be happy. And a lot of us, we just want to stop right there. May all who are godly be happy. We'll see. The Bible says that the godly should be happy. And so that causes us then to develop a whacked out theology that's based on happiness. Now, for those of you that are reading along, you'll see that it doesn't just say, may all who are godly be happy. It says, may all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his holy name. There's a second piece to that verse. And so we can't just take the first half of the verse and run with that. We've got to take scripture in its fullness, in its wholeness, in all of its authority. But yet we take the first part of that verse and we develop this theology of happiness. And here's what a theology of happiness looks like. Number one, a theology of happiness says that whatever makes me happy must be right and whatever makes me unhappy 
must be wrong. Several years ago, Sheryl Crow wrote a song. Many of you are singing it in your head right now. If it makes you happy, I'm not going to even try. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, right? It's a theology of happiness. And whenever we begin to live that way and think that way, that leads to the second aspect of the theology of happiness, which tells us that things like delay and discomfort and risk and suffering and inconvenience and obstacles, that those things can't be a part of God's will for our lives. And then once we buy into that lie, then it moves us to the place where the third part of the theology of happiness is where without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort, money, pleasure, and things. We begin to worship stuff. And see, according to this kind of theology, we, uh, uh, God exists to serve us rather than us existing to serve him. And so what happens is, is we turn him into a veritable cosmic vending machine. That like, you know how a vending machine works. You walk up, you put your money in, you push the button, and you get, you know, a Coke or a Sprite or whatever it is that, that you, you, the selection that you make. And so what this, this kind of theology leads, is that, leads to is the thought that if we do everything that we're supposed to do, then God has to respond in kind. And so what this sets up is it sets it up for failure from the beginning with this idea that if God wants us to be happy and we aren't, then somehow God is the one who failed. Let me say that again. This kind of theology leads to the idea that if God wants us to be happy and we aren't, that then God is the one that somehow failed. Here's the thing that you need to understand. Your happiness, my happiness, is not God's highest priority for us. All right? Don't hear what I'm not saying, though. God delights in the happiness of his children, of his people. But it's not the thing that's the most important to him. All right, let me give you an example. So my son, Luke, he's 12. He's handsome, just like me. And he plays basketball. All right, and so I love going to Luke's basketball games. He is my favorite basketball player on the planet. And so when I watch Luke play, man, as his dad, I am, I'm pumped. I'm happy. And when I see Luke get a rebound, or when I see Luke put back a, um, you know, put back a layup, or, or when I see Luke hit the winning shot to win the game, man, I am happy, and he is happy. And I, as his father, I delight in his happiness. And at that moment, we are celebrating together. But if he hits that winning shot and runs over to the other team and gives them the old, you know, like, cut your neck kind of thing or whatever... You know, and he's like, get you some of that, you know, and he's a bad sport. Then at that point, his happiness is no longer my number one priority. It's the fact that he's being a jerk and is acting in a way that is unsportsmanlike. That becomes my highest priority. See, God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. God doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. That's his number one priority for our lives, that we pursue him above all else. But it's not that we pursue him 
in order to be happy, that's called manipulation. All right, instead, we pursue God not so that we can be happy. We just pursue God because of who he is. We just sang a song about it. God, you are so good. That's why we pursue God. That's the only reason we need. We pursue God because of who he is, and he is good. See, there's two scenarios that that play out in our lives Um, These scenarios that God doesn't want us to be happy when these things come in to play. The first one of those is God doesn't want you to be happy when it causes you to do something sinful or when it causes you to do something stupid. All right? God's not about your happiness if it's going to lead to your stupidity or your sinfulness. All right? So, So let's imagine for a minute that you're unemployed and... You happen to have a credit card, and you've had a really bad day. Anybody ever experience a little retail therapy? You guys know what I'm saying? We've all done it. I've done it. You know, you just have a, you have a bad day, and you know, a fresh pair of sneakers would just, you know what I'm talking about? And some socks to go with it, and like, you know, like a short set and everything, because you're going to go ball later, you know? And then you get to the store, and man, it feels so good just to swipe that plastic. Oh, yeah. And you got this bag, and man, that felt so good. Well, I'm going to go to the next store, and ooh, I would look good in that. I mean, let's be honest, what would I not look good in, (laughs) y'all? Am I right? Oh, nothing from my wife. That's two. That's two today. And we keep swiping that card and swiping that card. And man, it feels great until a month later. And that bill comes in the mail. And it says, you owe, you know, all these thousands of dollars. And you ain't got no job. And you ain't got no money in the bank or savings. And you can't pay it off. And so that $5,000 that you racked up ends up costing you $20,000 in the long run because of all of the interest charges and everything. God doesn't want you to do that because it's stupid. You were happy for a little bit. That's going to fade. That's going to wear off. And God doesn't want you to do that because it's stupid. In Proverbs 14, 12, the Bible says this. It says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a way that seems right. Man, this feels good. This seems right. This makes me happy. It must be right. But in the end, it leads to death. But yet we try to justify it. And we, we say things like, well, well, since I'm not happy then I must be allowed to do things to make myself happy that otherwise would be wrong, all right? Like, one piece of cake is good, so the whole cake must be better, right? If one piece of cake makes me happy, I don't, like, y'all eat as much cake as you want to. That's not what I came here to talk to you about today. But what I did come to talk about is, what about divorce, People that are together, and you know, you hear husbands and wives, and they go through a rough patch, and they just say things like, I'm just not happy anymore. No, see, in your vows, you said, for better or worse. What do you mean you're not happy anymore? 
Do you think your wife is happy every morning when she wakes up uh, with you and your dragon breath and you got crusty eye boogers and your hair's all over the place? That ain't making her happy. <laughs> Marriage isn't based on happiness. It's based on the vow, the commitment that you made before God in sickness and in health for better or worse till death. Do you part? It's not about this whole we're just not happy anymore. Get over yourself. I mean, honestly. Or you say things like, well, the reason I'm watching this porn is because my wife's just not meeting my needs anymore. And if she was, then I wouldn't have to resort to this outlet. We try to put it on, oh, it just got real in here. Man, you just felt it get like heavy because I'm speaking to somebody this morning. If my wife would just do what she's supposed to do, then I wouldn't have to do this over here. And we want to start passing blame around. Or we say things like, we say things like, um, we're in love. So God will understand this premarital sex is okay. After like, we're married in our hearts. No, if you like it, put a ring on it, bro. The theology of Beyonce right there. You never know what's going to come out. In church, And so what happens is, is when we begin to live this way, instead of worshiping God, we begin to worship the things that make us happy. We begin to worship what makes us feel good, but it leads to death. It causes us to do things that are sinful or stupid. God doesn't want us happy if it's going to lead to sinfulness or stupidity. The second thing is, God doesn't want you happy when it's only based on the things of this world. God doesn't want you happy when it's going to cause you to do something sinful or stupid. He doesn't want you happy when it's only based on the things of this world. We've all been sucked in. We've turned on TV late at night and there's an infomercial telling us that we need a blanket with some sleeves in it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? The Snuggie. I got news for the Snuggie people. They've had those for a long time. It ain't something new. It's called a bathrobe. You just wear it backwards. Like, that's not like a new thing. All right? I have a Snuggie. I do. It's royal blue for Kentucky. You know it is. You know it is. Or, or the shake weight. Anybody got one of these in your garage? No, nobody wanted, nobody wanted to confess amongst the righteous today. No, no one. The shake weight. You know, you got this, you got, and how, how come it, on, on these like exercise equipment, it's always these like, mat, like these ripped people. I want to see some fat dude like me doing it, you know. But, but you got like the, the shake weight. And they convince you that in 15 minutes a day, you too can look like that dude. You know, and his bulging biceps and his big chest. Here's how I know that guy didn't start to look that way because of the shake weight. Because they say the shake weight is new. All right. That didn't happen to that dude yesterday. All right. He got that way by doing an entirely different thing. Now they're just paying him because they want you to think that if you'll do this for 15 minutes a day, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Or for three easy installments of $39.95, you too can cook healthy and calorie-free meals right in your very own kitchen. What? 
and we say, here, take my money. Because we got to have it. We got to have stuff. And it leads to us um, bringing up this, this happiness equation in our life. The happiness equation is this right here. All right, see if you can keep up because it's a lot. And it's involving math. Better possessions, everybody say better possessions, plus peaceful circumstances, plus thrilling experiences, plus the right relationships, plus the perfect appearance, equals happiness. All right, better possessions plus peaceful circumstances plus thrilling experiences plus the right relationships plus the perfect appearance equals happiness. And that's the lie that we've bought into. It's counterfeit. It does not exist. Counterfeit means it's not real. Counterfeit is why when a guy like me hands someone a $100 bill at the cash register, they are so quick to get out that little yellow marker and scribble all over it and they're holding it up to the light. They're like, bro, this guy. There's no way he's got that kind of money, you know? It's like here in the South, counterfeit rings the most true when you offer somebody a Coke, all right? Have you ever been offered a Coke? You want a Coke? Yeah, man, I would love one. I'm so thirsty. And then they break out the Sam's Choice Cola. <laughs> what is that? Get thee behind me, Satan! You know? you like... Dr. Pepper or Dr. Thunder? Dr. Thunder? What are these people trying to do? It's not the real thing. One of these things is not like the other. It is counterfeit. And we've bought into that lie time and time and time again that we can take things that are counterfeit and equate them and say that they are equal to the things of God, and they're just not. Listen to what God's word says in 1 John chapter 2. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. Man, that's hitting hard to some believers this morning. If you love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. These are the ways of the world. Wanting to please our sinful selves. Wanting the sinful things we see and being too proud of what we have. None of these things come from the Father, but all of them come from the world. The world and everything that people want in it are passing away. Here's the best part of this passage. Listen to it. But the person who does what God wants lives forever. There's a key in that passage that can unlock something for your life this morning. And that key is right there. The person who does what God wants. The key is obedience. The key is obedience. See, God's priority is not for you to be happy. God's priority is for you to be holy. It's not to be happy. His priority for you is to be Holy, And the key to being holy is to obey God and the things that his word commands you to do. And when we act in obedience, it leads to holiness. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But be holy in all you do, just as God, the one who called you, is holy. Obedience leads to holiness. And then holiness, get this, because here's where it comes full circle, and it's awesome. 
Obedience leads to holiness. Holiness leads to blessing. Holiness leads to blessing. And I can't think of anyone in their right mind that would not say, I want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed. And so if we will obey God and his word and become more like him, then he will in turn be able to bless us. It puts us in a position to receive his blessings in our life. This word blessed, it's used tons of times in the New Testament. And it's actually the Greek word makarios. And it means supremely blessed or more than happy. It's the word blessed in the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he says, blessed are they that, and he fills in all these blanks of what blessed people are like. And some translations convert that word actually into happy. Happy are they that. And every single time that I've discovered in the Bible where it talks about someone being blessed or someone being happy, it's always a result of their obedience to God and their pursuit of him. Every single time, because that's how it was set up. We pursue God. We become more like him. That leads to holiness. Holiness puts us in a position for God to be able to bless us in return. But being blessed, it doesn't mean that you're never going to get sick. It doesn't mean that you're never going to lose your job. It doesn't mean that you're never going to get a zit on school picture day. It doesn't mean that things are always going to go your way. It doesn't mean that God's going to say yes to every prayer that you pray. It doesn't mean that you're going to drive your dream car. But it does mean that you'll have comfort in the midst of pain. See, being blessed of God means that you'll have peace in the midst of a storm. God's going to bless you with strength in the middle of your weakness. God's going to give you joy whenever you face trials. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desire. Now, some people have taken that to mean that God's going to give you whatever you want. That's not how this works. What it does mean is that the more we pursue God and his holiness, the more that our heart will begin to desire the things that he wants for our lives. And the more that we begin to desire the things that he wants for our lives, the better position it will put us in to be able to receive those things. And the more we live in obedience to him and his word, the more he will be able to bestow those things upon us. Because he doesn't want us happy. He wants us holy. He doesn't want us to pursue happiness. He wants us to pursue him. I think about it this way. We're on an island. There's a beach not too far from here. Think about a fish on the beach. Is he happy? I mean, you've seen it happen. Like, I'm, you know, that was a controlled fit, by the way. That wasn't something that just, you, you've seen a fish on the beach. But let's say that we give that fish some sunglasses and some sunscreen and a, and a nice comfortable beach chair. 
Is he happy? Let's say that, let's say that we give him one of those little fruity drinks with like the umbrella in it. You know, is he happy? What if, what if we give him like some mad stacks of cash to the fish on the beach? And we give him a brand new convertible sports car that he can drive home from the beach to his mansion on the ocean. Is he happy? No. The fish can't be happy on the beach because fish weren't made for sand. They were made for the sea. You and I were not made for this world. So there's nothing in this world that can make us happy. Some of us need to... That's okay. You can clap for that. That's okay. You and I were not made for this world, so there's nothing that this world has to offer that can make us happy. So what we've got to do is we've got to lower our expectations of the world, thinking that it can give us the desires of our heart. See, the world was never meant to satisfy us because we weren't made for the world. A thousand moments of happiness in our lifetime on this earth could never compare to what lies ahead for those of us that have put our faith and our trust and our hope in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. No new car, no job, no husband or wife, no baby, no savings account, no dream house. None of those things or anything like them will ever fulfill the thing that our heart craves. Because the verse that we started out with this morning, Psalm 97, 12, says, May all who are godly be happy in the Lord and praise his name. We can't just have the first part of that verse. We got to have the whole thing. God doesn't want you to pursue happiness. He wants you to pursue him. I got to wonder, what might happen if we shifted things a little bit in our lives and we began to take that approach? What might happen if instead of pursuing happiness in our marriages, we begin to pursue Jesus in our marriages? What might happen if instead of pursuing a happy and harmonious household with our children, we got them together and as a family we began to pursue Jesus in our household. What might happen if instead of spending our money and our resources any way that we wanted to, what would happen if we started to pursue Jesus with our money and our resources? What might happen in our personal lives if we completely surrendered everything that we have, our time, our talent, our treasure, and our testimony? What if we surrendered all of those things to the pursuit of Jesus? I know what would happen. It's a word called fulfillment. We would be fulfilled. Because instead of giving ourselves away and giving our stuff away and giving our time away and giving our resources away to things that are fleeting, things that are passing away, things that when this earth comes to an end, we won't be able to take them with us. Instead of doing that, we will be making an investment on the only thing that is going to last forever, and that 
is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a relationship with Jesus Christ. What if today you change those things and you said, instead of pursuing happiness, I'm going to start to pursue Jesus. Man, the first step of that, so easy. The first step to pursuing Jesus Christ, it's so easy. In fact, it's as easy as A, B, C. Admit, believe, choose. We admit that we're sinners in need of salvation. We believe on Jesus as God's son, that he died on the cross and that he rose from the grave so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. And then we see, choose to make him the Lord of our lives. That's what it's all about. That's where the pursuit of Jesus begins. And if you're here today and you would say, Pastor Blake, I'm ready to step in to a relationship with Jesus. I'm tired of pursuing happiness, but today a line is being drawn in the sand and I'm ready to step over that line into a life of faith in Jesus. Then here's what I'd ask you to do. I just want you to pray this prayer with me that's on the screen behind me. Very simply, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe Christ died in my place making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Walk Podcast. For more information about Christ Walk Church, please visit thechristwalk.com.